Good morning, church. Uh, look, as uh, as John said, um, there's some of us that uh, that like to get you prepared for doing something different, and there's other of us that like to give you no notice at all. And um, and I'm going to ask my well, the kids, kids today, we're going to do something over here, uh, and. Um, uh, and it, it's frustrating a bit being the kids' pastor and only having a couple of kids. So I'm going to ask all of you to be my kids today, okay? I want to give you an activity to participate in. And so I'm going to ask the kids and my two helpers, Kay and Jenny, if they will hand out a little bag of Play-Doh to each of you. Just hang on to it. I want to read a bit of Scripture before you, you get it out and get creative. And and I do understand, being put on the spot, some of us are going to say, I just don't want to do this. But this could be a long sermon. Maybe it'd be useful as a snack somewhere in there. Okay? Uh, now, as that's all happening, I usually have Janet read the Bible, uh, the, do, do a Bible reading, uh, whenever I preach, she's got a lovely voice. Uh, however, this week I shared the cold that I had with her. And, uh, and so she's at home. She sends her regards. Uh, you know, we're, we're hoping she'll be through it soon, but I'm going to bring you the Bible reading this morning. And, uh, we're looking at Luke chapter eight, verse four to 15. Look at that. It's up on the screen. While a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because there was no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So as as uh, as John announced, this is our second message in a, in a series titled Core Five, 
And this series covers the, the values that the Baptist Association of New South Wales and ACT have made as, as their own. Uh, and as we are looking at these, we consider things that we here at Lismore Baptist most value uh, and, and we use that as we go through this visioning process that Sue was telling about us. Uh, so that through this process, we will come up with a vision that'll, that'll cover us for the next two to five years. Last week, John looked at the first value, Christ-centred. And he made, or, or, or made us aware of these four points, that to be Christ-centred is to be enjoying a dynamic relationship with Jesus, relying on the Bible as foundational to shaping our understanding of Christ, our faith and our world, being led and empowered by the Spirit of Christ to live a life of worship and believing God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Today we're looking at the Baptist Association's value of being mission-shaped. And as I was preparing this, I thought this is a topic that can be threatening, exciting, confronting, but hopefully rewarding. So let's ask our Lord to, to speak to us through this message. Let's pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, as, as we come to, to looking at this value of being mission-shaped, Father, and, and we check out some of the scriptures that you have given us, I just pray that you'll give us a, a softness of heart, Lord. I pray that you'll, you'll do a little bit of weeding in our lives, Lord, that we'll be open to being challenged, to look afresh at mission and our involvement in this. Give us your spirit, Lord. Give us that softness and, and help us to receive. We know that you always want the best for us. Bless us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as I said, we're going to have this Play-Doh coming out to you. Or I think, oh, look, I can see people up the back, so I, I think most of us have it. I think we, we're, we've even got some people already got it out of the bag. Feel free to take it out of the bag uh, now. Uh, why should the kids have all the fun? Um, and, uh, and as you see, there's a, there's a, a choice of colours there. So you are welcome to negotiate with your neighbour and, uh, and exchange a little bit of colour if you like. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, maybe only to use half the Play-Doh with this first exercise because I've got another one for you a bit later. And what I want you to do with the Play-Doh is I want you to think about what Jesus means to you and I want you to think, what shape, what, what image can I make, mould, shape out of this Play-Doh that would convey that to others? What Jesus means to, to me? Go for it. I'm hoping I won't be too distractive. You can do it in your hands and your eyes and you can listen at the same time. I know they say men can't multitask, but I don't believe it. We can do anything when we set our minds to it. And I also appreciate that not all of us have vivid imaginations. And so the next slide should give us some of the metaphors that we find in Scripture of what God is. 
And so if you need inspiration, have a, have a quick glance of those and, 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 uh, and maybe you'll, you'll think, yes, yes, one of those resonates with me. Personally, I find the mother hen resonates with me. I, I love that idea, uh, being a, a chook owner. Um, but at the same time, don't be limited by this. Use your imagination and, and if there's something that you think conveys your image of Christ better, grab onto that. So moving back to the value of being mission-shaped, I think the first thing we need to do is, is, is understand what mission means. Um, we often associate mission with missionaries, of course. Uh, those Christians on whom God has laid a, a special calling to take the good news of Christ from their homeland to a distant land. Or we may see mission as meeting a specific need of the disadvantaged. There's lots of wonderful missions around. Baptist Care does a lot of this. Mission Australia is another. Uh, For them, their value is to to give everyone a a safe home in which they can, can thrive. Mission can also mean other things in other applications. I saw a great war movie the other day. The mission was to bomb a damn wall. And you've probably seen it, and they came up with a bouncing bomb to, to blow up the wall. But mission is also a term that we use in business. Uh, 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 every business, I believe, has a mission statement. And usually it's something like, sell our product to everyone and make as much as we can. But, uh, but, but something like that. But there's a few things I find that are, that are common to mission. And I don't know if this is helpful or not. Uh, the undertaking, mission is the undertaking of a specific task given by the sender. At the centre is the specific task to be completed. Now, you can't have be given a specific task and then go and do something else. You have to stick with that task. You can't change it. And there is one who has, been, uh, who, who has, who has set the task... Uh, I've called them the sender, and they're the one who undertakes the task. I don't want to call them the undertaker, so we'll just say the ones who undertake the task. So let's see what Scripture reveals about Jesus' mission, keeping those things in mind, that there's the sender, the one that undertakes the task, and there's the actual task or mission itself. Uh, And turn with me to to Luke 4, 18 to 19, if you have your books there, it's on the screen, of course. And this occurred just after Jesus had been tempted. He's gone to a synagogue. He's been handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He's opened it and he's zoomed in on this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He then goes on a bit later to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
So when we look at that passage, it's quite clear. We can see the mission task there. I'm just going to shorten it down to the mission is to proclaim the good news. And we can see who the sender is. The sender is the Spirit of the Lord. And Jesus identifies himself as the one anointed, the one sent to undertake the mission. Now, as I mentioned just prior to this, we had the temptation of, of Jesus. And, and at that time, Satan tried to divert Jesus from his mission. Immediately following this passage, we have uh, people in a town trying to divert Jesus from his mission. He'd gone there and he'd, he'd, he'd been proclaiming the good news and had been doing some healing. They wanted him to stay around. They wanted more healing. And Jesus' response was, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus had a single-minded focus to achieve the objectives of the mission he was given. Now look with me at, at mission as given in Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The mission task is to make disciples of all nations. The sender is Jesus. The disciples of Jesus are the ones to undertake the mission. Do you think it just ended with the disciples of Jesus? Well, I, I found this really interesting to think about because the instruction to the disciples of Jesus is to make disciples. And that adds a sense of perpetuity, doesn't it? Disciples that make disciples that make disciples ad infinitum. So that today we can call ourselves disciples of Jesus and we are still under this mission to make disciples of all nations. This mission should be owned, should be owned by all those who identify themselves as, as Christians. But you and I know that simply isn't the case. And I think our reading in Luke gives us something of an explanation. I don't know if you've ever thought of that parable of the, as a sower as being a, a passage that talks about mission, but I think, I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he, when he shared it. So in our parable, the, the Word of God is spread over four types of soil. It germinates in three types of soil. Though in one of those, it doesn't last very long. However, in two types of soil, faith does start to grow. The Word of God causes faith to start to grow. The difference between the two soils is in one soil, faith doesn't mature. Yet in the other, it reaches maturity and produces a crop. 
Now, I think uh, the usual image we have uh, when I look at the picture books is a stalk of wheat and, uh, and, and, and heads of seed that can also be planted again. And I think we're meant to have that idea, but it never says wheat. It could be any sort of crop. It could be apple trees. But you know, in apple trees, there are apples, and in the apples, there are seeds. All plants, I've got to be careful here, not all plants produce seeds. <laughs> all crops usually produce or do produce seeds that are, can then be used to, to spread uh, more of those plants. And I, I misunderstood this parable, I think, for a long time until I saw that the soil, it's, it's the soil, not the plant, that represents people. And, uh, and so I, I went searching the internet for a diagram and I came up with something that, that nearly worked, um, but, but I had to creatively put little faces on them. So, so that is meant to be a, a smiley face to give you the idea that the soil represents us. And when I thought about it, and I, lo- and I looked at this passage, I see that we, are, um, we, we have the, the ability to invest our energies into growing and maturing our faith and to, and to actively pursue Christ's given mission, or we can choose to spread our energies between faith and, and other aspects of life. And in that diagram on the left we see faith there struggling to survive uh, amongst other interests in life faith survives but it never matures and in this image it never engages in mission now uh, I'm not a gardener but gardeners do tell me that uh, a plant that is being choked by weeds and barely surviving will flourish simply, get this, this is how simple, simply by removing the weeds. Amazing, isn't it? By removing the weeds, the, the plant that you want to keep has access to those nutrients in the soil. It's available just to them. It isn't being spread thinly. So the Baptist Association, back to them again, they've chosen to make Jesus' mission directive a priority when they state that they are, the first point, committed to the announcement and demonstration of the universal reign of God through Christ. Now, I hope that you saw that that was part of, of the directive that, uh, that Jesus gave the disciples. It's said in different words, but it has that same meaning. Can I understand that uh, taking on such a commitment is daunting? If, unlike me, you're uncomfortable with public speaking, um, me, the problem is getting me to stop, uh, but others, it is difficult to start a conversation. And so if you're uncomfortable in that, and the, the idea of committing to announcing or proclaiming stuff is 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 a nightmare, isn't it? And it makes us ask, how can we be active in mission? How can we be active in mission? Well, look, your, look at your Play-Doh. Put your hand up if you've made something that, that conveys what, 
what Jesus means to you. Has, that, has anyone managed to do it? Fantastic. I'm seeing a few hands. Okay. Leave your hand up if, if, if you're brave enough to call out what you have made and tell us why. David. Oh, fantastic. Did you hear that? David has made a circle with a spot in the middle. The spot in the middle represents David and the rest is God encircling him and protecting him. I got that right, didn't I? That, that's fantastic. Never, never would have thought of that. Anyone else? Darren. Jesus is the bread of life. He's made a loaf. He's, have you taken a bite out of it already? Okay, any other takers? A heart? Jesus changed my heart and now he's at the heart of my life. Oh, and, and we have another heart over there. Heart's great. Lockie? Oh, another heart. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting shown more hearts. <laughs> Sigrid? Another bread. Barry? A cross. This is fantastic. We could keep... Oh, <laughs> We could keep going, uh, and what I'm going to suggest, at the end of the service, there's, there's the, the table where the kids are playing, um, or maybe even outside next to the, uh, uh, the fruit there, but put down what you have, what you've made, and use it to, to start discussions, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, our Play-Doh exercise demonstrates that there are other mediums that we can use besides speech to communicate faith. We need to be creative to, to discover what medium gives us a voice. Now, I also we, we, we had our reading from Luke 8, so I also want to look at Luke 8 of how Jesus involved people with mission. So on the screen, I've just got a, a few verses taken from, from Luke 8. So in verse 2, we find that there were women that were travelling with Jesus on his mission and they provided financial support. They, they were support people. We see when Jesus heals the demon-possessed man, a Gentile man, he wanted to come with Jesus. He, he wanted to jump in there and be involved with mission. And Jesus says to him, no, you stay in your hometown. You be a home missionary, if you like. You tell the people in your hometown what God has done for you. We then have the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She didn't want to talk. She did not want to talk. Jesus urged her to overcome a fear and to speak to give her testimony to that small group that was around small group it was a bit of a crowd but anyway and then in verse 21 when Jesus mother and brothers come to collect him he makes this comment that um uh, what what have I written there my mothers and brothers are those 
who hear God's word and put it into practice. The practice isn't defined, but there is some sort of practice. There's one other I didn't put on the list, and and I, I think it's worth mentioning because in chapter 8, Jesus also heals, not heals, brings back to life Jairus's daughter, 12-year-old daughter, brings her back to life. And to Jairus and, and the family, he says, be quiet. Don't say anything. Keep this to yourself. And it made me wonder, what? Why this? Isn't everyone meant to be on mission? Aren't we all meant to be sharing? But in the context of the story of the sower, there's something very important. Maturity. Okay? The seed came with maturity. It doesn't say so in the passage, but I suspect that neither Jairus or his 12-year-old daughter yet had that maturity that they could share their faith. We're not given the rest of the story. I imagine that would come later as that grew in people. Same with our congregation here now. I'm not saying everyone is weedy soil. <laughs> we still may be growing to reach that maturity. Okay, so, so I, I, I find the passage tells us quite a bit about that. Now, the next point that the, the, the Baptist Association made was that mission, mission shape means to be motivated by love of God and others. And this is a fantastic starting point. I can't stress how crucial love is to mission. Mission motivates out of us, uh, sorry, mission that is motivated out of anything but other love is destined to be distorted now i don't know if you can think of other motivators motivations for mission but uh every now and then i've uh, in, in my life i've had someone come up and and i've been their target for mission they are zoomed in on me they don't know me they don't really have any interest of me but out of fear duty or something else they're gonna tell me the gospel whether i like it or not and usually it's not doesn't matter they go for it love makes a big difference this twofold love that the uh, the 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 baptist association the baptist association brings up here is spoken about in matthew 28 so let's have a read of that now one of them an expert on the law tested him with this question Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. There's the question answered, isn't it? But Jesus doesn't stop there. He has to go on. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In mission, love of God, sorry, love of God must be accompanied with love of others. Otherwise, it is also distorted. Love of a person is, is often best expressed first by giving them your time and giving them your ear. 
listening to what's on their mind and on their heart, making that the first priority. Listening first often opens doors for us to be invited to share our faith. Now, this is quite different to picking a target and going for it. It's, it's waiting for an invitation. It's earning the right to speak. And it also gives us that opportunity to prayerfully consider how we can present the good news in a way that meets the person in their place of need, doesn't it? And this introduces us to our second Play-Doh challenge. I did ask you to keep a bit. So, uh, you know, if you, if you want to keep your first one, this is your second one. Uh, how's... I think the children may have left. We, we had an agreement that... Uh, uh, an arrangement if the ch- children became a little unsettled that uh, they could go out into the hall. So I, I can't ask my helpers to, to help. If you need extra Play-Doh, just sneak over to that bag there and, uh, and I'm sure there's some more. But anyway, we're on to the second Play-Doh challenge. The first was to think about what Jesus means to us. The second is much, much harder. Because I want you to think about someone you love... And you'd love them also to know Jesus. I want you to think what you would model if you want to connect that person with our Lord. What would speak to them? It's very tough, isn't it? Very tough. But I'm getting getting one nod. No, it isn't. That's fantastic. Okay. So, So think about that. Quite often... You know, it's, it's, it's a family member that's, that doesn't know the Lord or it's a, it's a, it's a good mate or something, someone like that, that, uh, that you think, now, what would, what would resonate with them? And what, the reason why this is such an important exercise is what I think they need is probably wrong. When we're thinking what they need from Jesus is what they is, is more likely to be correct. Okay, so give it a go. The third point of being mission shaped is seeing people, communities, and societies transformed. I know this is something that us here at Lismore Baptist desire. I know that there are people here who pray for God to bring revival to our area. I know, I, and, and I get excited when I see programs like Alpha being driven, not from the pulpit and leadership, but from the pews. It is fantastic to see these endeavours to be missional happening in our church. As I was comp- contemplating this, this point, for, uh, my mind was to dr- drawn to this passage from 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 22. And I know this is going to be quite confronting, this next section, for, for a lot of us, and I, I really am happy to have a, have a chat afterwards. We read, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, 
I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Now there was a time in recent centuries when the good news of Jesus Christ was packaged with Western culture. What I mean by that is that missionaries would go out to foreign lands and they would convert the indigenous people to be Westerners who follow Christ. Okay, they were packaged together. I'm happy to say that today missionaries are trained in the language and the culture of the Indigenous people. The churches that they plant are Indigenous churches and they produce Indigenous disciples who are often more effective at mission in the country than the original missionaries. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because the original missionaries have to learn the culture, they have to try to fit in. The native-borns, they already know the culture and they move a lot, lot quicker. And I see, though, that at, nowadays mission, missionaries are doing what Paul advocates in this passage. They are being shaped for mission. Now, we've already noted in our vision sessions that in our church, certain age demographics are poorly represented. And we want to see change. And we've indicated a preparedness to change. But are we prepared to change to the extent that Paul suggests? Paul seems to be saying, I'll do whatever it takes to win as many as possible so that by all possible means I might save some. Now, in real life, what does that look like? Well, well Luke gives us some examples. And the first is, it was this one. While uh, Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Paul had been walking around Athens and there were idols everywhere. Now, why would Paul be distressed by idols? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? What's the first couple of commandments? You shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. That was Paul's worldview, and here he is in Athens, packed with idols of every kind. Paul was distressed. Yet when Paul's invited to speak, he appears to compliment them. He says there, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Can you see what Paul's doing? 1 Corinthians 9, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. But he does this, he, he, he speaks as one not having the law to people not having a law, so as to win those not having the law. Now, 
Paul isn't advocating the worship of idols, but at the same time, he's not going to a, a, a land, a city that is not under Jewish law and condemning them for not following a law that doesn't apply to them. He does note that idols indicate that the city has some level of spiritual awareness. Can you see that there? And he has no qualms about using this to get a favourable hearing for the gospel. Now the children have gone out. I, I will do one more. And this one is regarding circumcision. And we see that in the first passage there, uh, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and they were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Paul was vehemently opposed to the Jewish custom of circumcision being imposed on converts to Christianity. Yet in the very next chapter, he says this about Timothy. Paul wanted to take him, Timothy, along to, on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now, when it's written like that, you go, I don't really understand the, 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 the reasoning behind it. But the fact is, he did it because it made a difference with some Jews. And we read again in one Corinthians 9, to the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Whatever it takes, so that by all possible means I might save some. Is, 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 there, is that clear? Paul can step aside from, from what he firmly believes. He doesn't give it up, but he can step aside to communicate to people his mission. He hasn't lost the sight of his mission. He hasn't replaced it for some other task. Now, why I'm wanting to drum this into you is if we here at Lismore Baptist want to be on mission, if we want to see these other demographics change in our church the question is how far are you prepared to go and I just think of the area I think of of what goes on in Lismore and I want you to now think how Paul if he were with us how Paul would respond to these different things these because I'm going to mention all spiritually uh, influenced things if, if not heavily spiritual in themselves we had the lantern parade each year what would Paul do there would he oppose it or would he be involved I don't know if we've had a uh, uh, one of the uh, spiritual psychic expos since COVID how would Paul engage there and only in a few weeks we're going to have Halloween do you know I heard on the radio they reckon one in four Australians is going to be involved in Halloween and I know from conversations in this church that there is a very strong feeling against Halloween. Would Paul have that? I'm leaving with that to think about 
But the reason I'm making such a point here is if we're going to say we want to make this value of submitting to God and being mission-shaped, these are some of the things, some of those things that we hold so precious that may be challenged. Think carefully. The final point. Biasing our resources towards mission, both locally and globally. This includes our finances, our property, our time, our training and energy. It is asking ourselves if our current use of these things is helping others on their journey to discover Christ. It means that we might want to make changes. Some of them may be uncomfortable changes. And it means trusting God in our discomfort. I hopefully got my little image of the, uh, the seed coming up. Oh, I love that face. I'm so proud of it, you know. Only the good soil fulfilled its mission to reproduce the Word of God. We all need to reassess how we are directing our energies. From time to time, we need to do a little bit of weeding. Sometimes we might find that we have allowed a weed to become established because we've mistaken it for a good plant. It'll be tough to move, but if it's a weed, we need to get it out. It's worth the pain. Speaking of pain, hands up if uh, you met the Play-Doh Challenge. Has, has anyone managed to shape something that would communicate Christ to, to, to someone who... David... A bridge? Oh, praise God. David wants to be a bridge between their disbelief and Christ. This is, this is what this message is about, that, that we, we are the bridge. And it's not a new message. You know, when, when, when God chose Israel, he said, you are to be a kingdom of priests. And, uh, and, and, and we're also called to be a priest. And the job of a priest is to connect people with God. Fantastic. Anyone else? Liz. A present. A... Ah. So Les has made a gift. He's made a really good-looking gift too. I'd, 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 I'd accept that gift. And he's, he's saying he wants people to see uh, Jesus as a gift rather than a threat. Did I get that right? And I saw a hand here. Oh, okay, yes. When you were holding it at first, I thought you were making Mickey Mouse ears. Making two pe- Eric has made two people holding hands, repre- representing friendship. Friendship evangelism is a, f- a fantastic thing. Sigrid, Sigrid. A heart and her- your love to people. Fantastic, fantastic. Look, again, take them out, share with other people. Uh, and because it is, it is an encouragement. Um, 
I've got to tell you, when, when I saw this in action at a high school, uh, they had them all on a table. And I remember going to the table and someone had made a lavatory. Okay, and, and I'm there to the teacher. I said, what smart aleck kid made the lavatory? And he said, hang on a minute. This is, this is his explanation. Jesus takes our filth and deals with it. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's the sort of creativity I, I, I aspire to. Toilet creativity. No. <laughs> I, better, I better get back on track. <laughs> now, you are welcome to keep, keep your Play-Doh, uh, keep the things you've made. Uh, it, you, you're welcome to eat it. You're welcome to take it home and give it to someone. If you don't want it, look, there is a, a little bag there over on the table. You can do, drop it in the bag or just drop it on the table. And uh, if you're feeling particularly lazy, I'll, I'll go through here later and, and pick up any loose ones. And I'll probably have to do a bit of vacuuming to get the stuff off the ground. Uh, so just to, just to recap, the value of Mission Shaped is to be committed to the announcement and demonstration of the universal reign of God through Christ. And I can see that just summed up in the Great Commission. To be motivated by God, motivated by love, sorry, for God and for others. And that's the greatest commandments, isn't it? To seeing people, communities and societies transformed. And I think that's the idea of, of whatever it takes to win as many as possible. And the last one is, Biasing our resources towards mission, both locally and globally, the good soil perseveres to produce a crop. Let's pray. All the music's finished, nearly finished. That's okay. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, look, it is challenging for us to to think about this, Lord. Look, Lord, we... Many of us have been Christians for a long time and, uh, and to think that, that, uh, that there's things that, that, that we need to change, that we need to do better, is very confronting, Lord. But Lord, help us to put your mission forefront in our minds, not our, our concerns, Lord. Your mission, Father. Help us to be gentle of heart, Lord, to love others and to seek ways to make you known in a very different world to the one we grew up in. Lord, I just pray that during this week, you will give us opportunities to love and to listen to others, Lord. And that through that, Lord, you will also open up people to to invite us to share you with them. In Jesus' name, amen.